I just want to put an apology out there. If I do get to upset anyone today, it may happen. If there's ever going to be a message, because I believe there are seasons when there's a message that shifts things. It shifts us as individuals and it shifts churches and people and families and it just has this ripple. And I believe today's message is one such message message that we need to just, can we just lean in a little bit and just do the journey with me? And I pray this is a message that's been sitting in my heart for for months now and I've just been waiting for the right time and sensing how to get into this space to present it to you and so I pray that you will receive it in which the spirit of, in, of which it's meant to be shared and given to you. The challenge for us as Christians is many of us don't know what it means to be a Christian. We go to church and we do our things, but we really don't have a real good sense of what does it mean to be a Christian. What does God want from me? What is God asking of me? What does it look like? How do I live this life, whatever this life is meant to look like, How do I do it? What is God asking of me? What does he want from me? What is he demanding or seeking from me? What is it that you want from us, Lord? And I think we should ask those questions because I think that is the premise, that is the foundation in which we grow and become spiritually mature people. There's a time when we have to grow up. Paul said that to the Corinthian church in chapter 1. He, vis- he planted the church. The church was planted in AD. Okay, so AD 50, he goes. He has a look at the church. Five years later, he's writing to the church. And in chapter 3, he says, what are you guys doing? You're still on the milk. You're still doing this. and You, you should be growing up. You should be on the meat now. You should be on the solids. And he starts to, to rip them. I think personally... There's a good indication between zero to five years that if you are doing the things you are meant to do, then you should be a a mature Christian by that time. Five years. That would be what my sense of what Paul's saying there. And so we need to be mature as Christians. We need to be mature as a church and as a fellowship. We need to be uh, mature as God's people. And we need to be all that God has called us to be. Now, I'm included in this, so I'm not pointing fingers pointing up, I won't do that. But what is it that God is asking of us? And then how do we define the spiritual life? What does it look like? I I firmly believe that to the best way to define the spiritual life as a Christian is to be more like Jesus. That is what God has set for us. That is the role. That is the plan. And it's from Genesis right through to Revelation we see this thread that it's constantly coming to be like God. Not to replace God, but God made us that way. That's how we can have fellowship with him, to be spiritually mature. We need to understand what this Christian life looks like. Being spiritual is living in union and in fullness with the Godhead and living out what has been revealed to us by way of his purpose and his will. So today we're going to conclude this short series of Jesus is my hero because he's a hero of my heart. And it reveals to me how much I am loved, how much you are loved. And it reveals to us not just are we loved and greatly loved and we are the beloved. We may get to that if we have time. But we get to, we get to live out in the fullness of who God has called us to be. And that is powerful. So Jesus is my hero 
because he's working in me and he's enabling in me. Jesus is not satisfied with me just being me and he loves me and I'm already the beloved. There's nothing I can do to earn God's love, but, he, but, but there's things I can do to grow in his love and mature in his love and develop in his love. And you can as well. So what is Christianity supposed to look like? It's meant to look like Jesus. Every single human, I believe, is called and created to be an image bearer of creator God. But we lost that at the fall. And then man is finding his own way, or mankind are finding their own way to be more like God. But in all the wrong ways. You bear the image of the God you worship. You don't like what you see? Maybe you could ask the question, who am I really worshipping? In Romans 8.30 it says, God planned for them who ask believers or those in Christ to be like his son. And those he planned to be like his son, he also called. And those he called, he also made right. And those he made right, he also glorified. What a beautiful passage of scripture. He's chosen, he's planned, and he's called each and every one of us. Now, we're not going to understand this unless we go back to Genesis. So let's go all the way back. Travel back with me. We're going all the way back to Genesis. Because between Genesis and Revelation, we, we get to see this in Christ, what he's doing. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, And God said, Let us make human beings in our image, or male and female in our image and likeness, and then it goes on to say, let them have dominion. Let them have rule. So in the garden, Adam was having his rule, his, his place of authority and delegation. In Genesis 2.15, the next chapter, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work. Really important. We've been singing about this. We've been singing, you work in me. You work in me. What does that work look like? What is the work of God in us? Many Christians aren't real clear about what is God working in me? What is he doing? What, what are you doing? And then when you don't understand that, nothing else makes much sense. He put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. I want to add this thought when we're going to look at this, this word work. Has a sense of worship about it. Has a sense of worship about it. Sometimes I think as Christians we get to the point where we say, I don't need to do anything because I'm not working out my salvation. I'm not working for my salvation, but you are working it out. You are working it out. You're working out what God has put in you. So here's Adam. What did God say? He said, here you are. Here's the garden, Adam. It is, and it was great joy. It wasn't work like we're thinking of work. It was a, a most magnificent Function and activity and role amongst in the garden with the Father, with the Godhead. It was a beautiful place. We can only imagine, and this work was Adam able to fulfill his, his destiny and his reason for being. And as he worked it, he was being more like God wanted him to be. And in this relationship, not ever to be God, but to be like God. We'll have a look at that as we go through we get confused with that. Have a look at this word, work, and also fruit. Because often you'll find that work and fruit are used 
simultaneously. We sense this word of work being worship, but the goal of work and fruits are the same. They carry the idea as a divinely designated activity which God is recreating in us and together producing through us and carrying on the effect of his work in us through our faith and our loving action and our desire to glorify the Father. Hebrews says this, let us what? Provoke one another. Provoke one another unto love and good works. Jesus even says this in in, uh, John chapter 5. It talks about John the Baptist. And he says this, that even the works that I have and the works that you see is what I've been created for. That's why I'm here. I'm here to witness the works of God before you. In John chapter 5, verse 36, it says, These works bear testimony that the Father has sent me. Andrew Murray, I love uh, his writings in his book. It's a great Christian author, says this, All true work must be fruit. All true work must be fruit. The growth and product of our inner life, the operation of God's spirit within us. And yet all fruit must be work. All fruit, all fruit. So all work must be fruit and all fruit must be work. Work indicates one's spiritual condition. Colossians 1.10 says, says this, that we are to bear fruit in every good work. So we have to go back to Genesis to understand this. Our fruits and our works are, are of what we do, but also we have in that sense as well the cooperation of the Holy Spirit and His fruit in our lives. Ephesians 2.10, is a few scriptures this morning as we get through this, just to set this up, is that we are what God's handiwork. So it's already like God has worked. We get to see that, that God worked in Genesis and now he's working in us. He worked in the garden, he did creation, and now he's working in us and creating in us. It says, for we are his God, God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God by the way, prepared in advance for us to do. So we get this sense where, we, where man, human, humanity is created in this garden, in this space, and, and it was a wonderful space, and the work was joyful, it was heavenly, it was bliss. It's hard to describe and understand what it meant. The rivers were flowing through there. It's understood that the water, one one understanding is that the water didn't come down, there was no rain then, and there was a mist, but also the water would actually come up like fountains. There's an ad on TV about insurance and you see there's water and it pops up, there's a fire and the water pops up and puts the fire out. That's sort of what it was like. This water just would come up. After the fall, the water had to come down. There's a imagery just with that. So then we look at what the psalmist says. The psalmist buys into this as well. The psalmist says in verse 1, blessed, and I heard some scripture this morning. We've been listening to the songs. I'm just going, every song is just adding weight to this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law, his law, day and night, his law. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatever they do, they prosper. Have you ever wondered? 
If you're not prospering in the sense of the things of God and the purpose of God for your life, maybe it's because we're not reading and meditating on the Word. We're not getting to the Word. We've just got stuff and we're distracted. We're all distracted. There's so much to do. So many people to see. So many places to go. Friends, today, if you are not on the journey to know Jesus more, then you are living under your potential and creative purposes. So I want to warn you today. See, someone, the psalmist says this, that it is the wise person who abides and he will be planted, or she, they will bear fruit and they will produce or yield more fruit. Well, we we're learning how God created us to work in the garden, but that was ruined. We're getting that picture. We're learning from the psalmist, and there are many scriptures about this, this uh, analogy and, and methodology of, of what is happening in us. And now have a look what happens. Jesus even buys in on the argument or the, or the occasion and teaching. In John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may what? Bear more fruit. So this is, this is where we're getting to understand. We're going to dig here a little bit. Already you have you are clean. Oh, this is powerful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. We learn really easy that when we read the word of God, some people go, oh, I haven't got time for the word of God. When you read the word of God, it cleanses you. It enriches you. It revitalizes you. It draws you into a focus and concentration of who God is and what God is doing in your life. It is a wonderful opportunity to read the scripture. It cleanses us. We learn that in Ephesians. We learn in the Old Testament that the Word of God is like a hammer and it breaks off the things that shouldn't be there. It's amazing. So Jesus just adds that. Verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. A branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that who bears much fruit. For apart from me, Jesus says, we can do nothing of great worth. We're just living. We're just existing. But only because of him. Verse 8, I'm jumping a few verses, says this. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So there's this work and there's this fruit. There's the fruit of work and the fruit of work and the work of fruit. Now let's jump back to Adam. So what was Adam doing in the garden? Well, he had the garden and he had rule over all the animals. He had dominion. Everything is wonderful, but this was before the fall. So what's Adam doing? Well, he's a landscaper. He's looking after the garden. Okay? He's, he's trimming. He's pruning. He's looking after everything that was there. Things grow. They need to be, you know, we, we know there are trees. There's the tree of life in the Eden. We know that. We get that. There's also the tree of the life, uh, of the of tree of knowledge of good and evil. Think about that. The, they weren't allowed to eat the, the tr of the tree. I don't want to get distracted here. But just to think about this for a minute. What did they know? And what type of good did they know before they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because they got knowledge of evil, but also they got knowledge of good. So what was the good before that? What did they know? Well, they were eating from the tree of life. 
They're eating from all that God had given to them and that was sustaining them. And they, my understanding would be they live forever. There's eternity, there it is, all there. It was because of sin that stopped that and changed that and brought in death and corrupted things. See, here's Adam, he's in the garden. What's he doing? He's abiding, he's abiding in the vine, in God's garden. He was working out his created purpose. He was being everything that God had created him for. He was tending the garden, he was pruning the garden. And he was living, as it were, in worship to God through that work and through that fruitfulness. So we need to understand this if we're going to understand this word abide. Abide is not a passive verb. We are all part of the vine to abide. It comes from the word mano. It means not to remain or just be connected. No, abide means to activate. Abide means to latch on, to get a grip, to hook on and to be held continually, to actively work, to hold on to the vine. And sometimes we have to wonder when some people come and go, some people have a faith and say, I don't believe anymore in Jesus, I don't believe in, in Christianity, I don't believe. Things have gone wrong. What's happened there? Well, they haven't been abiding. They've never been taught to abide. We have to abide in the vine. Jesus said that. That's, that's ultimately our first goal. We must remain more than just connected. We must abide so that we can receive the nutrients from the vine Friends, if, here we go. If you're just attending on Sunday, you're visiting the vine. You're not abiding in the vine. You're just visiting the vine. We need to be involved seven days a week. There are no part-time Christians. Christianity, being a Christian is full on. It's full time. It's 100%. It's all in or all out. Now, I know there are a lot of things that we have before us and there's things in season. So I'm not trying to guilt trip anyone here. I'm just saying that we have to make a priority, not just on a Sunday. I'm not just saying that. I'm saying our whole life needs to be centered around Jesus because we need to be grafted in to the vine. Paul then buys into this thought. Being a Christian is full time. He says this in Romans 7, verse 4 says, So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ. So, you died to the law that you might belong to one another, to him who was raised from the dead. So, we belong. Look at that. We've been set free from the law because of the body of Christ. Christ dying, but also get a sense because we belong to each other, how we can encourage each other and spur each other on, that you might belong to one another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. We are called to bear fruit. We are called to have works that produce fruit, not for ourselves. It doesn't point to us, it points to God. And when we're doing that, we are growing and we are maturing at whatever stage that is. If you want to know if you're growing, don't look in the mirror, but look at your heart. Look for the fruit for the hunger, for the appetite, for the passion, for the purpose. Is it there? Do you have that? Do you hold that? The more fruit we bear, the closer we resemble Christ-likeness. And ultimately, we give God the glory. At Galatians, we learn in 5, chapter, uh, verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. 
And we learned about the nine fruits of the Spirit that God wants to work in us. So this is really important as we understand because this is going to change how we go, how we move forward as a church. It's going to change what we talk about. It's going to change what we focus on. It's going to change what we put our time into. It's going to change because God is calling his church and he's calling his people to wise up and to mature and to be spiritually mature and to start to live the kingdom out in everyday life. Don't choose it for one day and, and not the other day and just be lax about this. It is full on. So we're going to have a look at this, what this means. AJ Cheryl uh, has an enogram for spiritual formation, which really is speaking about the more that we understand who we are, the more that we can see who we really are, then, then we have a start, we have a really good place to start and begin to understand what spiritual maturity looks like. And so we're going to have a look at this together now. Have a look at the diagram. Can you see the diagram there? Where we start is to understand, is the enneagram is to understand our identity. Our identity is who we are in Christ. It is our beloved. Remember when Jesus got baptised in Mark chapter 1? Jesus hadn't preached any miracles, um, hadn't performed any miracles, preached the message, taught, laid hands on anyone. And in chapter one, as he's coming up from the water, so about the baptism, it's, it's about his, his, his moment of, of, of faithfulness and obedience coming to fruition. And it says this, that this is my beloved son. Jesus didn't earn that. He deserved that. And so we learn our identity and we are beloved in Christ. We have personality and we have gifts and fruit. And you can see this just as it unravels a little bit here. Who are your, your roots? And my roots are when we dig down in Christ. If we just jump to the next slide, please, Matt. Those red lines, we'll go back in a minute, but those red lines indicate the depth of roots. This is our identity. And many Christians, I've spent a lot of time over 30-something years when I'm talking mostly younger, but it's all ages, is that when they don't know who they are in Christ, then they don't produce fruit because they just don't know. They waver and they just got no idea what they're about. And our commission as a church, our commission as believers in Christ is to what? Go and make disciples of all nations. But we can't help that process along if we don't know who we are. And so we'll go back to the previous slide. Thanks, Matt. Our identity, our beloved in Christ. This is where we're going to start. This is just ground roots. Your roots are your identity. You are beloved of God. If there's a fruit issue, it's usually a root issue. You are found in Christ. Your ultimate self is in Christ. And in Mark, as I said, one, the voice said, you are my beloved simply means that you are fulfilling the purpose that God had for you. Identity is received, not achieved. So we get to discover who we are. We get to find that we have meaning and significance and presence. We get to learn that we are forgiven, saved, healed, renewed, called and chosen, like all the songs we've been singing today and all the previous weeks. We are forgiven, loved, called, accepted. You are spiritual. And we are spiritual people being filled with the Spirit of God and allowing Him to rule in our hearts and in our lives. 
So our identity is formed in the person that we are. Then we have the trunk, the stem and tree of our personality. And that refers to a set of traits and patterns of thought, behaviour and feelings. But it's more than that. It says that this says you are unique and God created you and made you unique. And yet he uses that uniqueness to be all that you are and to shine through you his fruit and his works and his glory to point back to him. See, life won't make any sense unless we understand that our roots have to go very deep. And if the roots don't go there, and if we don't know who we are in Christ, we don't know all those things I've just mentioned, then everything else is a shift. Everything is off-centre. Let's have a look at this a little bit more. These branches and leaves, I said, represent our, uh, sorry, the, the trunk, and, trunk and stem represent our personality. Your identity is informed in the informed in the person that you are. Temperament being your true self, the more you are in Christ, the more we become our true self. In other words, the more we grow to be like Jesus, the more we do that, then the more we discover who we truly and ultimately we are. But we can never get to that point if the roots aren't deep. The roots have to be deep. The roots have to be there. And then it goes to the branches and leaves, which represent your growth and your character. So we see that the roots, who you are, the stem and trunk, the personality, what makes you uniquely you, and then the branches and leaves, which speak of the character and the gifts and the place of bearing fruit. So what, was, what happened in Eden that was lost is now being this whole journey of Old Testament and New, New Testament rediscovering this. So I've never known somebody who's not sure on their identity in Christ to actually produce a lot of fruit and understand what that means. I'm just saying. Because we are called in our personality, when our roots go deep, that we, who we are, but also that we are growing more like Christ and then we've got this character where it's ultimately giving God the glory of this, this wonderful, amazing fruit. I wonder sometimes it would have taken so long and we're still waiting for Jesus to come back and people may have different ideas on this. But I wonder if we had just got this settled many hundreds, maybe thousands of years ago, would it, would it be already done? I don't know, I wonder. I wonder because we've slowed the process. We're not being sure about who we are. We don't know why we exist. We don't know what it means to be the church. We don't know what it means to be the Christian. This is foundational. If you, this, is, this is groundbreaking. I've been sitting on this for a long time and this is probably a two-hour message that, I've, that at best would be an hour and I'm trying to do that in half that. So I'm trying to, I hope it's helpful at least, to, at least to start thinking about my fruit, my life, my identity. I don't need to be insecure. So if you have great gifts and you're a wonderful gifted and you're a great speaker and a greater preacher than me, God bless you, we want you up here being part of the team and preaching. That's great. I'm not threatened by that. Many pastors are threatened because I don't know their identity. I wrestled with this in the first few years of being Christian and I discovered that I've got to just shake this thing and get, get over myself and just say, come on. And that's why wherever we've been, wherever God has called us, it's been about raising people up because I'm not going to be inferior to those feelings or ideas. And if someone says, oh, David slays his 10,000, I'm not going to get upset by that. I'm going to say, oh, how glory to God that is. How wonderful 
that is. Because I'm unique. I know who I am. I got my roots deep. I know exactly who I am. And I'm still learning that, but I know enough to say I'm comfortable in my own skin. Yeah, I've got to grow, absolutely. Yeah, I've got to bear more fruit. Oh, absolutely. But I know who I am. And I know who, who have my strengths, I know my personality, I know my strengths and weaknesses, and I ultimately want to bring and give God glory in this space. But here's the thought. If there's no roots, there's no fruit. Think about that. We need to develop our stronger root system. And sometimes the church or churches haven't helped that much in that area. We say grow and read your Bible and we maybe tell you how to pray or maybe just say pray, not how to pray. Not that you have to really worry about that, just pray. But how deep are your roots? Because if our roots aren't deep, we easily fall back, we, we get trials and tribulations and problems and we, and we even learn in the sower and the seed where there's a, we lack understanding, we just don't know who we are. So don't make the mistake of inserting personality for your identity. I am not my political views. I'm not my political party. I'm not my race or I'm not my gender. I'm not my pronouns. I am not my job. I am not my sickness. I'm not my, I'm not my diagnosis. I'm not these things. These things don't define me. They're traits and they're experiences, but they don't define me. Christ defines me. The word of God has said who I am in Christ. And that's who I am. And so my job, our job is to abide in the vine. And then we do whatever. See, what's success as a Christian? People have different ideas. Oh, I do this. You know what success is? It's obedience. It's not how much money you have, how smart you are, what you have or don't have. Don't worry about that. Every one of us can equally obey God with what God has revealed to us. We can do that. That's success. And we learn. We learn on the journey. Let's not be immature. Let's not easily get upset. Let's not talk behind people's back. Let's not, if we don't get our own way or we always have to be right, that's, that's lacking fruit. There's, that's not fruit. That's not fruit. I'm not saying we're doing that. I'm just saying that's what it looks like. Spiritual maturity is living the life we live by paramount faith as our first and most causable priority in life. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. I know there's a lot of information here. The bottom line is that we have to dig our roots deep. We have to abide in the vine. Yeah, there is work. We work because we're producing fruit. Work was like worship. Bearing fruit is as worship. How sweet would that worship be? Not only to our Father, our Heavenly Father, but also to those around us. And then the Holy Spirit comes and He helps us. As we learn in, the, in Ephesians chapter 5, He helps us and then there's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Friends, remember it is God and his presence that we must seek. In his presence we are changed and spiritual practices are pathways we choose in order to send ourselves in God's presence. But there's more. Psalm 92 says, but the godly will flourish like what? Trees, a palm tree. Here we go again. 
They will grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon and they are transplanted into the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce. So there's no limit on age. You can be seven or 70. Well, all can produce fruit. And they will still produce fruit and remain vital and green. Let's produce fruit. In 1 Corinthians, as I mentioned earlier, it said their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. In other words, what is the fruit? Where are our roots? Were our roots in, in the stuff? Were our roots in, in other things, in our own identity? Or were they actually in Christ? Where are our roots? Because the day will come and it will bring to light, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Our responsibility before God is to be faithful with the little and trust him with the much. 2 Corinthians 3 goes on to say this from one that says, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And that's the team to come forward, please. This is a catalyst for us as believers and as Christians. Let's not live double standard lives. Let's not have secret sins. Let's not just do this and do that. Let's live for Jesus. Let's live in this day and hour as, as, as we work, as he works in us, producing the fruit and the flavour of heaven, the nectar of heaven almost. And people hear it and they see it and they smell it and go, wow, there's something different about you. Oh, we will mess up and we'll get it wrong and we'll make mistakes and we'll fail and we'll do that. But we've got to have a go. But I'm going to ask you, where are your roots? Have a look at that photo there. That's the tree, our tree in our backyard. It's just been removed. We got the guys to remove it the other day. This tree blew down. There was another tree that blew down about four weeks later and the winds we had just the last few days. But a couple of months ago, our trees blew down. Beautiful shade trees. I felt a bit like Job for a minute, just disappointed about the shade being removed. And I just looked at these trees and it started to speak to me about the, the root system. These trees have a terrible root system. Very shallow roots. So when hard times come, unfavourable times come, when bad reports come, when things happen, when, things, when people disappoint us, when things weren't as we expected, when the winds come, we're over. We're out of here. I'm on the highway, hit the road, Jack. Don't come back. So I think, and we've got some trees that have stayed, smaller trees, even taller trees. Why? Different root system. Root system needs to go deep. And if it's not deep, friends, when the winds come and, and the storms come and the storms of life come, boom, we just get knocked over. We go, what happened there? We get up and we go, what happened? What happened? And every time that happens, Something changes in us. And then we start looking at other sources to be our vine and our root system. Can I encourage you today? This is a big message. Because I feel like it's a catalyst for us. It's a catalyst for me. It's a catalyst for a church that we have got to make disciples. We have got to be working and bearing fruit to that end. We have to do it. Otherwise, if someone said, no, no, we're just coming and going. We just come and we go. We do our bit and we just come and go and add all the bits in the enjoyable bits that we like each week are there. 
But I want to encourage you, friends, you're not on your own. Second, sorry, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, For God, for it is God who works in you too, will and act according to His good purpose. Will you pray with me? Help us, Lord. Oh God, we need your help. Oh God, we have got this wrong on so many levels at times over the years. We're focused on so many things. We're focused on, on the things that don't really matter, but the things that do matter is what, are you, what have you asked us to do? What does that look like? So help us, Lord, to dig deep, to set our roots deeper in Christ and to grow stronger. Help us, Lord, to understand your sense of will and purpose for us, that we would be effective, whatever that space looks like. Whatever our age, whatever is before us. And help us, Lord, to know you in our heart, so that we may grow stronger in Christ, bearing the fruit, living by faith and fully trusting you as our Saviour. That we must work and allow you to work in us to bear your image. So friend, I'm going to ask you a few questions here. Are you growing in the image of God? Are you spiritually maturing as a Christian? I would ask you to ask the Lord to have some time with Him this week or today and say, Lord, show me what you have for me. Show me what you want to say and do in me. What greater glory are you allowing right now to happen in my life and in my situation? And Holy Spirit, do this work with me. I want to partner with you to illuminate and manifest and clarify all that the Father has and wills. So we go from the garden to God working in us, to digging our roots down, to producing and releasing His fruit in us. Why? So Christ may be glorified. So we ask today, Father, I say on my own, for my own self, for me, for my family, we want to serve the Lord. I pray as a church, Father, that as a church family, as a spiritual family, that we want to serve the Lord. So help us, Lord, to, to focus and major on, not on the minors, but on the, the majors. Help us to live out your purpose. Guide us and lead us by your Spirit. May we discern what you are saying to us. May we discern and understand and articulate and live it out and bear fruit for your glorious and wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. We all have to make a decision. We have to look and we have to go, God, where are my roots? Where are my roots? And we need to become better rooted in Christ. We need to allow the nutrients of those roots to flow through into our, through our personality and our character so we have green leaves and we bear fruit. And whatever the season is, if we do that, wow, isn't that making more sense to about why we're here? Isn't that making more sense of what Adam was, was given? And Christ has turned it around and as we join ourselves and as we surrender our lives to Jesus, isn't that a marvellous thing? I don't want you to leave today burdened. I don't want you to leave with pressure and feel like you're not making it and you haven't reached and you, you're on the journey. I get it. We all are. But make the decision today. Start today and think about, God, where am I with you? Are you Lord and Saviour of my life? Maybe just pray that prayer again in your own space. God, I live and I dedicate this body, this temple, this 
space to you. Do whatever you want in and through me because I want you to get the glory. Maybe that is the prayer we have to pray. God bless you.